Welcome and thank you for joining the Cass County Health Department, HealthCast. Our HealthCast is here to bring discussion and awareness to the services that we offer here at the Health Department as well as ongoing and current issues in women's health. I am Hillary Kelly and I'm here with Louise Yale. We are both health educators here at the Cass County Health Department. And with that introduction, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into our first topic. So today, uh, Louise Yale, one of our health educators here, is going to talk with us a little bit about the importance of screening. So Louise, why don't you go ahead and give us some information about screenings? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so some of the different topics that I want to talk about today are especially targeted towards women's health. Um, some are very familiar, some are very important to our health and well-being. So we want to really make sure that our listeners were really focused on trying to make sure that their health and well-being is taken care of through some of these different screenings. Uh, some of these screenings are pretty simple. Um, they can be done by yourself or others and others, you know, as a yearly routine um, that require, you know, going to see your physician or OBGYN or a specialist. Um, so it really kind of depends on what you have going on. I think it's important for you to, for women to make sure that they're kind of staying up to date on their screenings as a yearly, yearly thing. So the first screening or exam that I think is very important and can easily fit into like your monthly and almost weekly routine is a self-breast exam. Um, this is done by the woman herself checking for like any changes in her breast. And this can be a very important way to find breast cancer early, which then can be really easily treatable. Uh, this can be done first line of detection for breast uh, cancer. So a simple and it's very important step that should really be, shouldn't be pushed to the side that most women sometimes forget about. So a self-breast exam uh, can be done at an early age when women start to start to develop their breasts. Um, so young women can start on the right track to good habits and taking on their breast health, which I think is very important for future. Uh, making a routine is do of doing the breast self-breast exam will make you more familiar with your breasts, and it's easier to tell if something has been wrong or has changed over time. So when you do your self-breast exams, um, you want to do it monthly to kind of familiarize yourself with how your breasts normally feel and look. That way you can be able to see changes on like a monthly basis. Um, you examine yourself several days after your menstrual cycle or your period ends. Uh, that way your breasts will be less swollen and tender and you're going to be able to tell if there's a little bit more difference. Um, if you don't have a menstrual cycle, say after menopause or if you're um, pregnant, you plan to do it like the first of the month. That way, you know, when the first of the month comes around, you kind of know what, when you should be doing it. So here are some steps and techniques to doing your self-breast exam at home. So the first step you should do is you want to examine your breasts in the mirror with your shoulders straight looking at the mirror and your hands on your hips. Um, you should be looking for your breast to be kind of the usual, usual size, shape, and color that's normal to you. Um, the breast should be evenly shaped without any visible distortion or swelling. That's kind of why you do it after your menstrual cycle because that's the normal size that you're probably going to be at. Uh, here are some things that you want to notice. Uh, you should be brought to your attention if you see this to your doctor. Uh, if you see any dimpling or puckering or any bulging of the skin... Um, if your nipple has changed positions or it has inverted, so it's pushing inward instead of sticking out. And then also if you see any redness, soreness, any rash or different swelling, like I said, in certain areas that you might not have seen before. 
So that's one of the first steps to doing your self breast exam. The next step is still doing it in the mirror. You want to raise your hands above or raise your arms above your head and examine your breasts kind of the same way that you did with your hands on your hips. So you're looking for similar changes, um, the you know redness, soreness, any changes in shape, any color, um, and then like you did just when you had your arms down by your side. And then you're also looking for signs of breast fluid or discharge from your nipples especially. So while you're looking in the mirror, you also want to look for signs that might be coming out of your nipples. So anything that's kind of watery, milky, or like a yellow fluid or even blood. And this is, again, might be a little bit different for women that are pregnant, you know, because they're lactating and stuff. So you kind of got to be a little bit aware of that. But if it's something that at a time that you're not pregnant um, or you're not experiencing those kind of different things, then that's when you want to be aware of those changes and uh, show your sign or talk to your doctor about that. So the next step when you're doing your self-breast exam is feeling your breasts for lumps while you're lying down. So you can do this on the floor, on your bed. Um, you're going to use your opposite hand to feel your opposite breast. So you're going to use your right hand to feel your left breast, left hand to feel your right breast. Uh, you want to use a firm, smooth touch with your first few finger pads of your hand. So you're keeping your fingers flat and together. So your pointer finger and like your middle finger are good um, ones to use. Um, you're going to press down with your fingers and move them in a circular motion that's about the size of a quarter. Um, and you can also do different patterns. You can do circular. I know I've seen different um, programs where you do like kind of a grid. Um, just as long as you're doing it the same way each month, that way you're going to be able to tell if there's any kind of changes. You want to cover the entire breast from top to bottom and also side to side. That way maybe like a grid pattern is a good way to kind of follow. And then from your collarbone, you want to go all the way from the top, all the way to your ab ab abdomen, uh, sorry, and from the armpit to your cleavage. So again, there's lymph nodes in those areas that might be swollen as well that might indicate different things that might be happening with your breast. So that's where you want to try and go of different areas there. And again, you want to follow pattern to make sure you cover your whole breast. Um, then you can do this while you're uh, standing or sitting as well. So a good place to do it is in the shower because your, your skin's a little more wet. You're able to get a little bit more firm pressing on there. So again, you just want to follow the similar pattern and motion as you did while you were lying down to complete that kind of self-breast exam. Um, so you want to get to know how your breasts feel. That's, like I said, you, recognizing this, doing monthly is going to help to make sure you see um, different changes. Um, there are different areas of your breasts that you might feel different, which is normal. Um, you gotta, like I said, you want to get familiar with what's kind of what your breasts feel like. Um, and that way you can recognize if they're off or you might feel a bump or a lump there that you want to get to your doctor to uh, uh, test out there. So if or when you feel that there is a lump or bump that or something that is off or has changed, you should contact your physician and schedule an appointment um, to be seen. Now, there are more natural lumps and bumps that happen, so don't panic if you feel one, but it, it could be just natural, natural breast tissue or benign lump, but it doesn't uh, hurt to call your doctor uh, if you have a concern. Um, make sure that you're you know, asking questions on the phone or when you see your doctor just to make sure that you get everything covered uh, when you get that exam. A uh, good example, like when I was kind of a personal story, um, when I was in high school, I summer of high school, I was at a volleyball camp, and I noticed a lump in my neck that I hadn't noticed before, and it kept kind of getting bigger and bigger. 
So I, I did talk to my mom right after I got home from that volleyball camp, and she we went, went and scheduled an appointment right away, and I got in, and my doctor was a little concerned because, you know, it's I'm a teenager. I was healthy, active. You know, it was a little out of the ordinary. So I did um, – she, she did a whole breast exam and everything, too, just to be sure, and, and they did find a different lump, so I had to have some extra procedures done. And luckily it was all kind of just regular breast tissue over nine, but – it's never hurts to get those checked out. So it's just kind of one of those things that you know your body the best, especially your, you know, breast area. So make sure that you're, you have any concerns that you talk to your doctor or physician. So the next screen that I'm going to talk about um, that I think is pretty important is a breast exam by your doctor. Um, this is another screening tool that should be completed pretty much on a yearly basis. And it'll depend on your physician when they want to do the breast exam. Sometimes they do it every one to three years depending on your health history or your risk uh, for breast cancer. Um, this should be start at the age of 20, and you want to go till age of 40. Then after that, it should be done every year along with different mammogram screenings that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, another reason why these breast exams for yourself or by yourself or your doctor is very important is because there are very m many lymph nodes that are located in your upper body around the breast area. And lymph nodes, if you don't know, are glands that are part of your body's immune system and help to filter substances substances through your lymphatic system that contain lymphocytes, which are your white blood cells. I know it's going a little more scientific, but these white blood cells help to fight off a lot of infections and disease in your body. So if there's any sort of cancer that hits that lymphatic system, it's pretty hard for your body to fight that off. So it's pretty important that we're reaching that doing those exams so we can tell if there's hit in our lymph system. Um, some of the biggest clusters that are found are in the axilla area, which is in your armpit area. And even there, there's 20 to 40 glands just in that area. So other areas that can be found are like in your neck, chest, abdomen, and your groin area as well. So like I said, your neck, chest, and abdomen, and also in your armpit, I mean, that's right around that breast area. So there's bigger clumps up there. So um, breast cell cancer cells can reach those a little bit quicker. So it's important that these breast exams uh, to find these lumps or abnormalities um, can be detected for early treatment. So Hillary, women that are breastfeeding, you know, might experience different changes or feel lumps like while they're breastfeeding. What are some of your suggestions or recommend recommendations for women during that time frame? Yes, absolutely. Of course, this is a really, really good question because your breasts feel much different during lactation. They're busy. They have a lot mm -hmm. more to do. Yeah, for sure. And they have different tendencies and different things can kind of occur. They seem like hurdles, but they can all be overcome, you know, during lactation and finding lumps or experiencing even painful lumps mm -hmm. and things like that occur very commonly in lactation. So if you are breastfeeding and you feel a lump, um, it might be painful. It may not be painful. Mm -hmm. um, you can always consult a lactation consultant, and that person will more than likely be working like in, with an interdisciplinary team that includes your physician as well. Right. So no one's ever going to tell you to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's always going to be best to discuss that with a physician, but during lactation, when you have inflammation within the breast and the milk cannot actually pass through the duct based on that inflammation, you can get what feels like a backup 
Right. And it feels like a lump. Mm-hmm. It can feel very painful. It can cause what's called mastitis, mm-hmm. which is an inflammation mm-hmm. of the breast. So people with mastitis will feel that lump. Sometimes they can't feel it. Right. But it is there. It causes fever, flu-like symptoms, redness of the breast tissue. So there are quite a few red flags that come along with mastitis that are going to really prompt most lactating women to call the doctor because you're looking for a solution to that pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes, it hurts and it can be a big barrier to the breastfeeding relationship as well. But there are other types of lumps that can be found in lactation. They are less common, but it's a lump all Mm -hmm. the same. So it's always really good to consult your doctor. And if you're working with a lactation consultant, like I said, that person will say the same thing. Some of these lumps can um, be re- directly related to lactation, but there's always a chance that mm-hmm. it's not. So, Well, especially, I mean, during that time, you're going through so many hormonal changes, you know, yes. with having this child. And, and that can really, you know, exacerbate some of those cells that might Absolutely. be in there and they just don't come out until then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's always, it's always good to just double check make sure you're you know yes. checking with your doctor it never hurts to do an extra test or here or there and absolutely absolutely and you know the testing um typically your doctor will not schedule you for a mammogram mm-hmm. if you're lactating because it can make that imaging a lot harder to read in a lactating breast but they will assess your situation and and proceed from there because it's always worth you know the if it needs to be done it needs to be done and they'll typically figure that out <coughs> relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. But good. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to kind of a- add to it cuz I know we're always talking about preventative measures, but now we're yeah, we're talking about experiences here. So, it, yes. it's good to always kind of add that into what women that are breastfeeding or lactating might experience and just again, just to make sure that you're you're always on know the changes and if you're very if you're concerned, don't hesitate to to call your doctor. Absolutely. So since Hillary mentioned mammograms in that uh, segment earlier, so mammograms are another screening tool that we're going to talk about that women should be familiar with with their breast health. Um, this is used to take two images of each breast and the breast tissue using x-rays to see if there's any kind of abnormalities, lumps, or bumps. Um, this is one of the better ways to detect breast cancer early and then be able to treat it because it's very, like I said, imaging is very close. It can be very well able to detect those now the process may be uncomfortable I know a lot of women are not always thrilled to go do it but um, because uh, the breast is placed on a platform and slowly compressed until it's flattened enough to get the images and it's done a couple times Uh, this is done for both breasts uh, to get the appropriate images and it takes about 30 minutes so it's not an extremely long procedure but for that 30 minutes it can be a little uncomfortable um, then the radiologist will then examine the imaging, send it to the results to your doctor. You should hear back within about a week, depending on, you know, time frame of what the doctor is busy with. So the typical age to start getting mammograms is usually at the age of 40. Um, this is kind of when most women are starting to decrease their pregnancy stage and when research has been shown that cancer starts to get detected more or grows or metastasizes. Um, now, women who have a strong family history of breast cancer, e- either maternal or paternal, which they've been finding is, is prevalent as well, or that find signs or lumps or lumps or abnormalities, um, may get a mammogram earlier in age. It just depends on, you know, what you got going on. 
Um, again, this is kind of the best way for early detection of breast cancer, along with your self-breast exam and yearly physical exam with your doctor. So it is a very important tool to be used for most women. Now, most insurance companies will cover the cost of mammograms as preventative care. That's why every, you know, one to two years, that's why it's, it's more important because your insurance company is going to c- cover it. Uh, for those women that do not have insurance, there are programs out there that will assist with low-cost or free mammograms. Um, for Illinois, we have the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program that will help uh, low-income women in Illinois to obtain low-cost or even free mammograms along with cervical cancer screening. So it's a very important tool that um, women out there that might not have the insurance covers, they still can get that that uh, um, mammogram or that cervical breast or cervical cancer screening. Um, women starting at the age of 40 should get a mammogram every year for as long as a woman is in good health um, until the age of 54. And then starting at the age of 55, women can get mammograms every two years or they can choose to do it every year. It just kind of depends on what your health history is, what you and your doctor kind of talk about for uh, progressive or preventative programs for that age group. So other options after a mammogram if cancer is suspected. Um, there are other tests that can be done, done if a lump or abnormality is found, such as 3D mammograms, which takes a little bit more multiple images through the same x-ray, but it, it creates a 3D image of your breast tissue, and that can show a little bit more dense, especially if you have more dense breast tissue, it can go a little bit further. Uh, another tool is a breast ultrasound, which can... Uh, which are sound ways to produce pictures of the internal structures of your breasts. Again, just gives a little bit more deeper imaging. Um, Then there is a breast MRI, which can be more detailed and are used to examine tiny masses and then tiny tissue of changes in the breast tissue. Then there are biopsies that can be done as well, um, which are a little bit more invasive. Then there is a new one that I haven't quite heard of yet, but um, could be a good alternative or extension of mammogram is thermography. Uh, this uses infrared heat emissions to detect different breast or cancer tissues. And I've seen over the years, at first it wasn't quite um, as detailed, but over years with, you know, new technology, it's gotten a little bit more detailed so they can use that as well instead of mammograms or after mammograms. All right, so the next uh, screening that we're going to talk about is about cervical cancer. Um, this is another screen that should be completed by women starting at the age of 21. Um, getting to be more sexually active, so it, it's kind of a little bit more prevalent and more important to do that. Um, early detection with proper tests and screenings can help to detect cancer early and can be treated quickly and appropriately, just like with breast uh, breast uh, cancer there. Uh, uh, the PAP test and the HPV test can help to prevent cervical cancer and can find it early. The PAP test, or also called the PAP smear, which we call kind of known, uh, looks for precancer cells or cell changes on the cervix that might become cervical cancer, um, and if they're not treated, if they're not treated appropriately, the HPV test looks for the virus, the human papillomavirus test. That's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> papillomavirus True. test, yeah, that can cause the cells um, to change to cancer. Um, good way to again to kind of just go by that virus is HPV. So. This is one of the main viruses that can cause cervical cancer, so it's really important that you get this test as well along with your pap smear. And most of the time, they're going to check both of them um, when your doctor does that pap smear test. Um, both tests can be done in your doctor's office or clinic. Um, the te- pap test, um, the doctor will use a, like a plastic or a metal instrument called a speculum. Um, it helps to widen your vagina so they can look in there. 
Um, they examined the vagina and the cervix while also collecting a few cells uh, and mucus from the cervix that the air around the area, and then it's sent to the lab for, for testing from there. Uh, during both testings, the cells are checked for normality or if they contain that HPV virus there. And this can feel uncomfortable again, just kind of like the mammogram we're talking about, um, but it's not for a very long time. Um, it's usually a pretty quick exam, um, and it's, it can be done, like I said, really quick in that doctor's office along with that breast exam. Starting at the age of 21, women should start to get their pap smears and screenings. Um, if the pap test is normal, your doctor may tell you you can wait about three years until the next one's done. Um, if not, if it's abnormal for some reason, they might do further testing, and they might just say you might have to get it the next year. Um, just kind of depends on your physician. Um, some women may want to get tested earlier in the years, especially if they're very sexually active earlier um, before the age of 21, and especially for HPV because it can be transmitted pretty easily through sexual activity, um, especially, too, if they have not gotten that HPV vaccine, which helps prevent that human papillomavirus. So it's kind of important to, if depending on how active you are, to get testing a little bit earlier. So HPV, which you might not know of, is also you know known as a ha human papillomavirus, um, and is the most common STI or trans or sexually transmitted infection um, between sexually active people. Um, there are many types of HPV, HPV, and some may not cause any health issues, where other strains may cause you know different things like genital warts and even cancer, because that's kind of the biggest concern why you should get tested for HPV regularly. Um, a person who has HPV might not know it, and so and it can be spread to another person, like I said, through sexual intercourse. So it's kind of hard sometimes to see if there's any signs or symptoms, especially later in the years. Um, you might transmit it from someone, you know, years earlier and not have any signs. So it is kind of important to get these testings because you might not show the signs. Um, HPV is one of the bigger viruses, like I said, it can cause cancer, especially cervical cancer, but it can also cause cancer of the vulva, the vagina, and the anus for women. So there's a couple other strains there that can cause some very serious issues. Um, getting screened is a big way to help prevent and even detect cancer from developing or escalating further into your life. And then also getting vaccinated as well can help prevent the HPV from causing different health issues such as the STIs and potentially cervical cancer. Once you are at the age range of 30 to 65 years old, women can talk to their doctor about kind of which testing is right or better for them. If you get a pap test only and it, it comes back normal, your doctor may allow you to wait for three years until you get the next one. Um, if you get the HPV test only and the results, you know, results come back normal, you may be able to wait five years until your next screening. Um, there is a co-testing as well of the uh, pap and the HPV. And if those results come back normal, your doctor may tell you you can wait again five years until your next screening. So you kind of have that plan with your physician once you kind of get to that age. Uh, once you hit the age of 65, your doctor may tell you that you don't need to be screened anymore, especially if you had, you know, normal screening tests in the past for several years, or if you had your cervix removed as part of like a total hysterectomy or non-cancerous conditions like fibroids. So again, just kind of having a plan with your doctor is pretty, is pretty important there. Um, again, this should be a part of your routine wellness visits with your doctor or your OBGYN. Um, early detection is key to treatment and survival with these different kind of uh, conditions, especially cervical cancer. Uh, again, these kind of tests or like screenings are covered by your health insurance as a routine wellness screening. Uh, but for those that do not have insurance, again, are, there are programs out there to assist for low cost or free cervical cancer screenings. Again, 
The Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program is available for women in Illinois that have no insurance um, to get a pap or an HPV testing and screening that is needed for, you know, protect women's health. And here at the Cass County Health Department, we can help you get that screening and get you signed up for that different program there. So one thing that I'm sure women don't always think about or is not on the radar for screening is looking for colorectal cancer. Uh, colorectal cancer is the third leading form of cancer found in women behind breast and lung cancer. Um, so it is very important to get screenings for early detection. And I know we kind of talked about earlier ovarian cancer is kind of creeping up there um, on that chart there. And that's where pap smears and, and tests, cervical or uh, various tests for pap smears can detect that as well. So colorectal cancer affects what we know as the colon and rectum in humans. This can also affect the large and small intestines, which in turn includes the, the rectum of the person. So colorectal cancer spreads. And why is it so important to keep up to date on these screenings is that when cancer forms in the colon, it forms what's called polyps. And these polyps can grow into the walls of the colon and the rectum over time. And if you kind of, I know anatomy is a little bit not on everyone's strong suit, but the wall of the colon are made up of many layers and when cancer starts to form in these as these polyps, they can grow outward into these layers um, and then spread from there. So when these cancer cells are in these walls of the colon, they can grow and get into the blood, uh, blood vessels and also lymph vessels, which from there can travel to nearby lymph nodes or to other distant parts of the body, spreading those cancer cells. So that's why it's more important because it can spread a little bit more easily. And then again, if we kind of talked about earlier, the lymph nodes, they're part of that lymphatic system, which in part of your body's immune system. So the lymph nodes and the lymph vessels carry, a, you know, that clear watery fluid called lymph, which contains those white blood cells to help fight infections. So um, that's how where polyps can spread and cancer uh, throughout the body. Um, that's why you had to do these, these screenings are important for that early detection so they don't spread into those lymph nodes. So early detection is important to, de you know, detect the spread of this, of this cancer. So there are few various tests that can be done to detect colorectal cancer. One of the easier and more, you know, convenient tests is getting a stool sample. Uh, this can be done in the doctor's office, or there are kits that can be taken home with instructions on how to collect that sample and then send it to a lab for analysis and results. Uh, these, this test checks your stool for signs of polyps, blood, and then cancer on an annual basis or yearly basis. The take-home test is called a fecal immunochemical test or a FIT test. Uh, these tests can be are offered here at Cass County Health Department for those that would like to do it at home. It is a definitely a more convenient, less invasive, and less prep work than your kind of traditional colonoscopy that you're going to you know, talk about a little bit later. So another screening that may be done and is important to get the colorectal cancer is a sigmoidoscopy where the doctor or physician inserts like a sh it's a short, thin, kind of flexible lighted tube into your rectum and checks for polyps and cancer cells. Um, this is done every five years in your doctor's office, so it's not quite, again, the prep like a colonoscopy. Um, then the big one, like I said, we're going to talk about and very important is the colonoscopy, and that's where kind of people, I think, get a little scared about. So, um, And they get a little nervous because it is more prep work, and you do actually have to get sedated during the process, um, but it's very important because it really allows the doctor to see the whole colon and the rectum in more detail. Um, this screening can detect polyps more easily. And is, if one is found during the procedure, they can remove it right then and there, um, which kind of is a little bit more easy feeling because then you get it out of there. 
Um, this is done more on every 10 years for regular screenings, unless, of course, there are cancer cells found or you have a higher risk of colorectal cancer from family history. So usually you don't complete this type of screen until you get into your 40s and maybe closer to 50s. Kind of depends on your healthcare provider uh, and his or his his or her recommendations. Those that are aged, you know, 18 to 39, the screening is not necessary unless you do have a strong history of colorectal cancer or Lynch syndrome or a condition like alter ulcer cholesterolitis or Crohn's disease. I know I kind of bashed that one. <laughs> Um, then the doctor might recommend those screenings for colorectal in order to kind of keep track of that a little bit more. So again, depending on your family history, your physician, these screenings for colorectal cancer may start at the age of 45. So talk with your physician or someone that you might um, want to get on, on the right test for you to kind of get on the right screening. Then once you hit the age of 50, a colonoscopy is performed every 10 years with other screenings such as the FIT kits um, done every year. So in addition to these very important types of screenings, I'm going to bring up a couple of more screenings that um, people sometimes don't always think to take a little bit of time out of their day to just basically get uh, a general physical, you know, seeing your doctor, checking in, making sure that you get your blood work annually. Right. It's really important to measure those vitamin levels and, you know, me personally, I went in for a yearly physical, had blood work taken, and they called back and said, wow, your B12 levels yeah. are bottoming out. And so, you know, I was taking injections weekly for about a month, but mm -hmm. it really made a huge difference in my energy levels, just overall capabilities, you know, mm -hmm. and it was something that I didn't know or detect, you know, in our busy lives, it's really easy to think, oh, I'm tired because... My day was this, that, or the other. But really, there could be other factors affecting your health that you just don't know of unless you go in and take the 20 minutes it takes to go see your doctor, get checked out, get some blood work done, and just make sure that everything is running like it should be. Right. So what are some other things I know they check with blood work? Like, what are some of the big, big things that they check for? I think some of the big things that they check with blood work in addition to vitamin levels, because I, I do think that the vitamin levels are a really big one. I think they're significant as you're aging as yeah. well. Lack, um, of, lack of things in your diet, probably. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Lack of things in your diet. You're going to be looking at cholesterol levels. Um, again, when you're aging, you were eating this, that, and the other when you were 25 or mm -hmm. 30. Yeah. Now you're 45 or 50. Yeah. Yeah. You're eating Things the change. same. Exactly. You're eating the same way. That may not be the best um, dietary choice right. anymore, and alterations need to be made yeah. to your to your diet and your nutritional needs, which, you know, typically it's not so severe where you're, yeah. you know, yeah. cutting everything you know and love out. But it does help to know that your levels um, in your blood are where they should be. And mm -hmm. most of the time, if you're not feeling the symptoms of mm -hmm. high blood pressure, cholesterol problems, or, you know, really severe vitamin deficiencies, if you're feeling those symptoms, then you're probably going to be going to the doctor for another reason. And right. that's a separate avenue. But if in your blood work, it shows where, hey, we can make a bit of an improvement here. It's good to know that then, before a problem begins. 
So in addition to just, you know, general physical blood work and things, uh, vision screenings are another tool that are very important for women to keep up annually. Um, I think a lot of us tend to associate vision with glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I need my glasses checked or I need my yeah. new contacts. And so I'm doing this here, but it really does serve a very serious purpose in addition to that, especially as women age. Um, there are other issues that can be detected in vision screening, such as different various eye disease, cataracts, and glaucoma. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the more popular things, you know, that people are probably familiar with in one way or another. Most people know somebody that's affected yeah. by cataracts or glaucoma. So yeah. Um, even though that tends to be an advanced age thing, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be that way. Right. So taking the time for a vision screening is great, and the American Optomic Association recommends a professional vision assessment or screening by an optometrist every two years for people of ages 18 to 60 and every year for those 61 years of age and older. So dental screenings are another very important screening to be aware of. Um, I think most people are aware that it's recommended to go to the dentist every six months, um, but it's important to keep up. It's not always everybody's favorite form of screening, but it's not so bad, you know, and for kids too. I think it's great. Um, Kids should be seeing a dentist as soon as their teeth are present. Mm -hmm. They should be learning how to brush and learning how to become accustomed to being screened Mm -hmm. so that that experience stays positive for them, you know, throughout their whole life of having, you know, good oral health because oral health is connected to your overall wellness. Mm -hmm. So infections in your teeth and in the gums can quickly get into the bloodstream and affect, again, your overall wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, The connective tissue in your mouth is connected through your body all the way down to your toes, all the way to your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. a lot about the way that you take care of your mouth, your oral health has a really, really direct connection to your overall general wellness. So dental screenings are a very important screening to keep up with. And here at the Cass County Health Department, we do have a wonderful team of people mm-hmm. who are available to help and get scheduled and come in and keep up with your screenings. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we hope that this HealthCast has been informative and helpful to all of you out there listening. Um, we bring this information to you to educate and enlighten the public on the importance of various health concerns and topics that will be beneficial to the improvement in health and the well-being for the people here in our community. Uh, funding for this podcast was provided whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health of Women's Health, and the Cass County HealthCast is a project of the Cass County Health Department here in Cass County, Illinois. Information on this podcast was material to inform listeners of health topics that would be resourceful for their health and well-being. And the information given in today's podcast is not the personal opinions of views of those speaking. That is information gathered and distributed for the sole purpose of health education and promotion. If you have any questions or you would like to suggest a topic, please call the Cass County Health Department at 217-452-3057 and ask for Louise or myself, Hillary. And again, thank you so much for joining us. And until the next time, please visit us online on our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. 
or you can visit us online at cascohealth.org, C-A-S-S-C-O-H-E-A-L-T-H.org. Until next time, stay well.